Hi, I'm Derek McFadden, proud to be an author, a poet, and a lover of most things pop culture. I am also handicapped, born with a mild form of cerebral palsy. But please note, this podcast is not called Handicapped Writer. It is instead titled Writing While Handicapped, because that's what I do. Join me as we talk with folks in the book world. And this podcast looks at the world of literature from a perspective you haven't seen before. Welcome in to a brand new episode of Writing While Handicapped. I'm Derek McFadden. I'm the author of What Death Taught Terrence and The Santa Claus Agreement, which is my new one. Uh, I'm here with uh, with, with the New York Times bestselling author, uh, Charles Soule, whose new book is The Endless Vessel, which is which is great. I don't know what else to say. It is. I just fi- I, I just finished it. It's it's it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's compared to Cloud Atlas uh, and the Midnight Library. Those comparisons are apt. Really good. Uh, Charles, tell us how you came up with this idea. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. It's it's great to uh, be able to talk to you and to talk about the book. I I also think it's amazing. Uh, I am really, <laughs> yeah, really excited to finally have as, this thing be in people's hands. As you um, should think it's amazing, yes. Well, you know, hopefully every author does, but but I, yeah. I, I know plenty who, who don't feel that way. They're like, oh, I wrote yeah. this thing and I can't get behind it, but I don't feel that way about Unless Vessel. I feel like I put everything yeah. I had into it and I and I I hope it shows. It seems like it does from people I've been talking to. It um, does. So what inspired me to write this book, you know, uh, uh, it's it's one of it's a it's a pandemic book, uh, which I think is something that a lot of authors right now are coming out with their their books that were written during or were influenced by the events of the last two to three years. Yeah. Uh, and this certainly was. And so I was thinking about how we are and how we have been with each other and how that experience affected us. And in particular, how it it kind of broke us apart physically uh, in terms of the way we interacted with each other uh, and, and, and also strengthened certain bonds because we were, we were sort of forced into close proximity with, with our immediate families. And a lot of us, not everybody, of course, but yes, a lot of us yes. in ways that maybe we hadn't experienced before. And so I think that's where the immediate genesis of this, this book is the idea that, that we had lost so much, the world seemed really grim and it was affecting everybody kind of in the same way on, on a very, very high level. Like we were all dealing with the same experience at once, which was interesting to me. And and people just seemed pretty bummed out. And so I, I started with the idea that, that that malaise almost, that that sort of sense of everything slowing down, that sense of the world is, is maybe not going to fix itself the way we want it to, the way that humanity maybe has made too many mistakes and how that was weighing upon the collective psyche of, of mankind, of humankind, was was something I thought was an interesting premise to start with. So so you you start with the idea that that has happened to us, that humanity has kind of dug itself a mental hole, so to speak. And how would we dig ourselves out of it? Um, so that was part. And then the other part of this book that has been in my head for years and years and years uh, was the idea of a ship that never stopped sailing, uh, a ship that set sail 250 years ago uh, and then has just never really touched land ever since. It's just been out there sailing around, and sometimes people see it off in the distance. And you know, who lives on that ship? What is their society like? How do they keep the ship going? How do they feed themselves? How do they get fresh water? All of those like kind of interesting thought experiment things. So, so those two ideas collided to make the book. But as you suggested, it really is only the scratching the surface of what's happening in the story. Yeah, I, um, yeah. It it ultimately 
I mean, I guess I'll, I'll give my quick summary of what the book is about. Uh, and yeah, then, go and ahead. And we can go from there. So I'll, yeah. I'll spoil the few things I think are okay to be spoiled. Yeah, that's um, that, yeah. The book starts... I'll, I'll let you do that because I don't want to do that. Yes, yeah. fair. Um, <laughs> the, book, the book starts in Hong Kong, uh, which is a place where I lived for a while growing up. I love it very much. It's a very special place for me. We start with a, a female materials engineer named uh, Lily Barnes, who's a very cool lady. She is a British expat living over in Hong Kong, doing her job there. And she is working in climate science, uh, climate mitigation in particular, trying to figure out a way to, to pull back uh, global warming. And she comes across this device. It sort of comes across her desk at that job that is essentially impossible. Like this, this thing can exist. It's so advanced. It can, it could theoretically solve the climate crisis with the snap of a finger. And she's, she's never seen anything like it. And and she can't even believe that it exists. Her theories are like, maybe it's from aliens, maybe it's time travel, maybe it's something like that. And so she goes on sort of a treasure hunt to, to figure out who built this thing. And, and that is happening against the backdrop of a world that is running down, as I mentioned. So, so mm -hmm. this, this malaise that we talked about has really started to almost infect people on a, on a, on a disease level almost. Uh, and, and it's called the gray in the book. And so while the world is running down and people are sort of losing their purpose, uh, Lily Barnes sets out on this journey to find out who created this incredible, almost almost magical device. This, it's technology, but it's so advanced it might as well be magic. And so, so that's kind of where we start. And from there, we go on a, a really, really epic journey. We, we do find that ship. Yes. Uh, we find out where the ship came from, who's sailing on it. Uh, originally, that ship was, was sent on a mission to, to defeat death. To, to figure out how to not, you know, how to get past death. And then that all builds and builds and builds. And, and those two storylines, the story of the ship, the endless vessel, and the story of Lily Barnes looking for the source of this piece of technology come together in, in a part that I will not spoil, because I think that's the element of the book that really makes it special is the last yes. third. Yes, yes, I agree with you, yes. So it, uh, it's it's the, the, the really quick soft pitch I give to people is that I wanted to write a book about happiness, about how do you be happy? What, how do you answer that question? And I think the book answers it and I think it answers it correctly. And, uh, but that's the part I don't want to spoil. I think people should read right. the book and find out and, and see if it, uh, see if it makes them as happy as it did me to write it. How did you come up with the idea of team joy, joy? Because like here we are in the oh, pandemic yeah. and there are these people who are happy with, Make, like allowing it to happen, allowing the gray to persist. And that's where they find their joy. Well, it's, 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 so there's, so the gray affects different people differently. The gray is that malaise we talked about, that malaise pandemic that's, that's affecting humankind. And some people just, just slow down and, and stop being able to, to really, you know, live within their daily lives. They can function, but it's really, really like they're, it's like, analogous to deep clinical depression. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another group uh, that are that are just like, I'm checking out. And and those people, you know, they, they kill themselves, which is pretty grim. This this book is much more uplifting than it sounds, I promise. Um, <laughs> and then there's the third group, which are which are really a significant part of the book. They're called Team Joy Joy. And they also have come to the same realization that humanity maybe has, has screwed itself up. Maybe humanity's time is over. But instead of reacting to that with with depression or 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 worse, they become joyful. They become manic almost because their thinking is, well, doesn't this take a load off your mind? Like if you know we're done anyway, why not just celebrate? Why not be 
happy with the time we have left. And, and the thing you should not be doing is thinking about the future, whether that's, you know, having babies or studying or getting a degree or, or getting better at art or any of those things. There's no point in that because humanity is over. So let's just celebrate and let ourselves be happy for one. Let ourselves rest. And the way that that it's described in the book is is that first day of summer vacation uh, when you're when you're in elementary school and you you you've done your test, you've handed in all your homework, or even if you haven't, when that last bell rings, you're done. You know, for the summer, you can do whatever you want to do, and and all of your burdens are gone. And that feeling is what Team Joy Joy is trying to convince the rest of humanity just to to embrace, to embrace the idea that it's over and it's time to just relax, let ourselves be happy. And so that sets up really interesting dramatic possibilities because it's not the way we typically think of antagonists. Like they're legitimately really happy about what they're doing. They're right. they're not sinister. I mean, they do they do some pretty dark things, but they do it because they're completely convinced that this is the right path. And yeah. which which I think uh, you know is they say that no no really good bad guy thinks they're bad. And Team Joy Joy is a really extreme example of that. They're they're led by a woman. Um, named Aunt Jane, who who came to this mindset when, you know, she she growing up was a very unhappy person and she she fell into lots and lots of self-help paths, all kinds of different things. She medicated herself in all sorts of different ways. She she became almost an addict to various, you know, gurus and self-help books and all these things that promised happiness and she never found it. And and it was only in really letting herself go and taking an almost Buddhist approach to it that she found happiness. And so she has become the, the charismatic leader of this group and has millions of followers around the world who are willing to basically do whatever she says. So it's it's really the story of three women. It's the story of Aunt Jane and her sense of what happiness is. It's the story of Lily Barnes and her sense of how to get happiness, which is more of a uh, it's a it's a much more literal you know, em embrace the purpose you have, be the person you have and try to make the world better incrementally yourself. And then there's the third woman who is who is the founder of that ship I mentioned. Her name is Molly Calder. And she's the one who who sets that group of people on their path to try to beat death. And she is somebody who is who is she she's almost about the 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 past. She's right. she's about you can get back the things that you've lost. The the things that have happened to you in the past don't have to always be fixed. Lily's about the present and Jane's about the future and how we should think about the future. So you have the, these three women and they're and they're very different approach to happiness. And the it it really makes a really interesting stew, I think. And it and I think the comparisons to David Mitchell and, and Matt Haig uh, with Cloud Atlas and, and Midnight Library, I'm extremely flattered that people are saying that. I I love those books, I love those authors and that is kind of what I was trying to do with this: is to make something that is exciting, very page turner, turnery, very you know, it pulls you along at a rapid pace. Everything's interesting; it's full of ideas, uh, but ultimately, it's about something. It's about, as I've been saying, happiness and how we find it. I think the most interesting character to me was, uh, I think it had to be Peter because <laughs> of what happened. I mean, I can't can't spoil what happens to him, but what happens to him uh, and who he is. Is first of all really interesting. You have a rock star. I don't think that's a spoiler. He's a he's he's no. a rock star. And um, who who would you compare him to these days? Is there a comparison? Sure. I mean, he he's somebody who was like in a band and and went solo and became really really famous as a solo artist. So I think um, you know I the person who I have in my head is George Michael, although that's not exactly um, like. 
one big song like he has one really big song that like, mm -hmm. it, it, like so everybody in the world knows this song and yeah and, and loves it and he's been performing it for 20 years and it makes him really happy and he doesn't really care that he he never had anything that was that big again because he still gets to play big shows and he still gets to make his living for music and he's he is extremely well known because he made that one thing that touched people that every time they hear it, they remember where they were the first time they heard it. It's be, it's the soundtrack to weddings and, and celebrations and, and dance parties and all of these things. And so he's somebody whose life has led him to happiness and sort of opportunity beyond most people's wildest, wildest dreams. Uh, but when we need him, he, and this is, this is the, a tiny bit of a spoiler, but I think it's intriguing yeah. enough that I want to drop it anyway. Yeah. We, we find out that his um his his voice is gone. Uh he can't he can't really talk anymore. And it's because he's sick. And and so yeah. he is he is also looking for an answer in much the same way that Lily Barnes is looking for the source of that uh technological device that she comes across. He's looking for some someone who can basically give him his voice back, which is funny. Little mermaids in the theaters right now, but it's I, <laughs> I swear I, that was not a that was not a uh uh, an intended thing. But, you know, Peter Match is interesting because he, again, the whole book is about happiness and people who have it and how they look for it. And he, he's somebody who had by most people's definition, like he wasn't an, he wasn't really a jerk rock star. He didn't get swallowed up by drugs. He just, he just was joyful about the fact that he got to do this for a living, that he got to make music yeah. and share intimate parts of himself with other people and give them a lot of joy. And then the fact that that's been taken from him by this illness is, is hard and he's he's approaching it sort of stoically and he's he's doing everything he can to to try to get around it but it's uh it's complicated for him as as we know he's a very complicated character yeah the last thing i'll say on him is his character arc is one of the best character arcs i've seen this year is so amazing uh so you guys got to check that out so back to molly calder because she has a lot to do i mean there's a the interesting thing you do is you bring us into the story and then you take us back and show us who Molly was, is, was, I don't know mm -hmm. how to say, it, you know, um, and we go with her for a hundred pages. Uh, and, and it's just, it's just amazing the way we do it because I was actually reading it going, I love both of these stories. How are they going to connect up? Like, and mm -hmm. I, I, and then they do. And I'm just like, oh, okay, here we are. <laughs> I, I guess the next question would be, who was Lily's father? That is that a fair question? That can you can yeah, you can you answer yeah. that without so, spoiling there, it? Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, there there are a few yeah. themes that I that are important beyond just the happiness theme, and and one is uh, fathers' relationships to daughters, and and the legacy they leave them, and the the way that um, fathers feel about daughters, the way that daughters feel about fathers, and so on. And and this is partly because. I, I have a, a daughter who is, uh, she's 17. She's about to go off in the world soon. And mm -hmm. the, the idea of what, what, you know, how have, how have we raised her, you know, how have my wife and I raised her and, and how have we, we brought her up to be the person she's going to be and, and what are the lessons we've taught her purposefully and what are the lessons we've taught her inadvertently about being a, a person who moves through the world, because there's the things you say, and then there's the things you do, and they both teach your kid lessons. So I hope I hope we've done a good job, but and I I think we have. She's an amazing kid, but ultimately these are these are important questions. Um, I also work. I, you know, I don't know how much you 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 looked at my bio or the things that I do, but I am I'm a very 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 busy person. I do I'm writing all kinds of stuff all the time. 
I do a lot of work in Star Wars, Marvel Comics. I do, yeah. you know, write lots of things. And so I can deeply relate to the fact that one of the things we find out in the story is that Lily Barnes's father was a very busy, busy person as well and, and wasn't always around when she was growing up. And and so I I think of myself, you know, like, is should I be around more? It is how how much of me being the person that I am creatively taking things away from my daughter. Those things are, they're, they're issues that are a big part of the story. Uh, so I guess you could say in some ways, Lily Barnes's father is me. In other ways, he's not me at all, because I, I think he, he does some things in this book that are, uh, are pretty questionable, but that's, that's dramatic. That's a story. The, the other big element that is, is a, is a part of the book is, uh, you know, you have Molly Calder and, and her husband, Apollo Calder, and their relationship and the way that they are and, and the way that they relate to each other and the, the, the choices that Molly makes about Apollo, I think are also really interesting to think about because they're about, you know, that's, again, this was, this was written or conceived mostly in a time when I was, my entire world was basically those three people, my wife and my daughter. And so it's, I was thinking a lot about the relationships between people and, and the way that we react and the way that we think about each other. And it's all, it's all in there. So if you know me, if you know me personally, you'll be like, oh, I, I know what he's talking about in this story. I, don't, I know why he said these things and chose these things. Um, you know, there's a, again, the fact that the book opens in Hong Kong is no, is, is not a mistake. That for me was a place of great change and wonder. And, and, you know, I learned many, many things I'd never learned before there. It was a place that I considered where I went off, where my real journey into the person I am today began there. And so, there's a reason that's where Lily Barnes' journey starts. It's in Hong Kong, and and so again, if you're somebody who's known me for for a long time, you'll you'll see me all over this book. But I think isn't that the way of most authors? They you know they most authors, if they're writing well, are, are putting themselves into the book whether they know it or not. Yeah, and I I think that's 100% accurate. I I think as an author, I mean, I wrote two novels. They have me in them. They can't yep. not. You know, mm -hmm. it's. Uh, if in my opinion, if they don't, if if your books don't have you in them, you're kind of doing it a little bit wrong. But that's my opinion. You know, I you know, other people can write the way they do. But um, that's how I connect with 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 readers. And I wondered that. That's why I asked the question, because I wondered I was like, <laughs> is this a love letter to someone that he knows? And I think it's to your daughter. I think that is a, I, mean, yeah. I don't know that that seems like a fair that. Yeah, I think for me the scene that hit the most was actually uh, a scene with Aunt Jane where she sees people, sees elderly people in a garden. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I don't think that, you know, to, I can talk about, I, I can kind of talk around that and not spoil anything, but when she sees elderly people in a garden and what she does in, in response, I understood it from her perspective. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh. That is one of the meanest things I've ever seen anyone do in, in literature. Like it was mean, but yeah. she doesn't think so. Um, nope. And it's sort of like uh, history is written by the victors, you know? So the people who end up winning the game get to write the book. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and for Aunt Jane, she would say no one should ever write a book again. There's no point in writing books because, right. you know, that's, that's for, for that's for people, future generations, and there won't be any future generations. So why why waste your time? And her, her when when she looks at the way, she has a, such a unique viewpoint. I think Aunt Jane, 
that is also deeply relatable. I think there are many people who who are just like, why, why, why bother? Why, why are we? <laughs> yeah. I you know you you think about again a lot of this is pandemic influence, but the way people reacted to that, the way people reacted to such a such a worldwide deep crisis where a lot of the things that we relied on, the things that we were used to doing disappeared and and many people reacted by just check checking out saying well there's no i'm not going to do anything because there's no point in doing anything so i'm going to i'm going to play video games i'm going to hang out i'm going to like you know just just do my thing and and i don't even necessarily think there's anything wrong with that i think it's a perfectly valid response to what we all went through but and jane takes that to an extreme and and like she commits what i think is the cardinal sin of many many book antagonists or villains is she believes that her view should be imposed upon other people right and so that's how she starts taking these actions to make sure that everybody thinks the way she thinks whereas a a hero character doesn't necessarily try to do that lets people be who they are but presents an example to them to to change uh change for the better hopefully and so you know which is which is what hopefully the end of the book makes clear that that jane you know, I've I've talked to people who've read this book and, and they they really deeply related to Anne Jane and thought she was she was a protagonist on the same level as as Lily and Molly. And I I was surprised by that at first, but now I guess I kind of get it. People people find something to connect with in that in that worldview, which is okay. People were deep in their own stuff uh when the pandemic was 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 first hitting. I mean, honestly, before there was a before there was a vaccine, we didn't know we we're getting out of this. Yeah, like that, of that's that's uh, and that's where we were. It's uh, everybody first said, "Oh, it's going to be two weeks," and then it was like, "Well, it's going to be way yeah. longer than two weeks." But we're already there. So, well, I think we should congratulate ourselves for be, having a conversation and not spoiling the book because that was a, <laughs> that was uh, I, I felt like we did gymnastics there, but that was a good job by us. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, his his book is at the endless vessel and he is charles so that book is it'll be out by the time this episode drops because uh, we're recording the day before it comes out are you excited for tomorrow because tomorrow's the big day it is i i've wanted this book to be on stands for so long i've i've started working on it three years ago i think it may be more like three and a half years and so the the idea that all of that work all of that research all of that effort all of that time I think it's definitely the best thing I've ever written. And I and I'm very proud to be putting this into the world at this time. So I hope a lot of people check it out. I hope people tell other people because that's how books grow and and live and and become part of other people's lives too. If it if it moves you, it'll move somebody else. Uh and and yeah, I'm so excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I always do, which is um get myself a nice lunch and then go to a bookstore that I like and and buy myself a copy of my own book. It's uh <laughs> it's a ritual that that has never sent me wrong. Oh, that that sound that sound actually really fun. All right. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you online, how would they do that? Well, the the with social media being a little bit weird, I do have a, a robust Twitter at Charles Soul. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm Charles D Soul. That's S-O-U-L-E. Uh, I also have a a newsletter, which is which is probably the best way to keep up with me. If you just go to charlesoul.com, you can sign up for my newsletter. I send it out monthly, it's free. You don't get a lot of, uh, you know, it's not it's not spammy. It's just here's what's going on with me. Here's the way to get my stuff if you want it. And then, you know, just updates. It's very fun. So just charlesold.com is probably the best way to sign up there. Charlesold, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Oh, perfect. So Writing While Handicapped is a podcast solely owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Charles, thank you for being here. 
The Endless Vessel is a wonderful book, and I, I can't wait for other people to read it so I can talk to them about it. <laughs> perfect, because perfect. I, I want to have conversations about this book, and nobody else has read it yet. <laughs> so well, been, give it time. Hopefully, it'll be hopefully yeah. you know, next week. It'll be many, many. Many, many, many people. So yes, I'm. I'm going to tell my mom about it. I'm going to say I'm going to give her a book, uh, a copy, so that she can read it and we Fantastic. can. Fantastic. Uh, so often, I, I I do book clubs with my mom, essentially, where I mm -hmm. like you should read this, and then she does. <laughs> that's all that's right. The way it's supposed to work. That's great. I hope she enjoys it. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you guys later. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>